Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Good morning. It's 830. I'm Karen Brown and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, school choice advocates rally at the Capitol. To see her math and her reading improving from a third grade level to a sixth grade level, and it's not even the end of school, it's awesome. As long as I get to have her making her choices and say, this is where I want to go because this fits me better, I want that for my child. Then find out what changes could be coming to Mississippi polling places. And we'll visit with an organization working to keep parents informed on what the kids are watching on TV. That's all coming up. Plus, a Southern Remedy Health Minute with Dr. Rick. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. advocates and others are rallying at the state capitol during national school choice week put simply they want every student to have access to whatever kind of school would suit their educational needs the best traditional public schools charter schools private schools or homeschool they also want public funds to follow each student no matter what type of school they choose mpb's desiree frazier caught up with grant cowan of empower mississippi a group that advocates for school choice it's not a, any particular option over another. We, we had traditional public schools here, uh, students here, charter school students, private school students, homeschool students. What matters is that parents have a choice. And so we were celebrating the options that are currently available in Mississippi. And we were also urging lawmakers to continue to expand opportunity, expand choices for kids who may not have them today. What do you think are the shortcomings right now in terms of Mississippi's choices. Well, we've made some great progress, but unfortunately for many kids in Mississippi that don't have the financial resources that other people do, they still don't have enough choices. So we have a few charter schools in Jackson and we have a few scholarship programs for special needs or dyslexia. But the truth is every kid in the state ought to be able to choose where they send their kid to school, whether that's a public school, charter school, or private school. And we want to see the education dollars follow students to the best school that will meet their needs that their parents chose for them. And so we've seen a lot of other states around the country move that way. Some of them offer a lot more opportunity than we do. And I'm confident we're going to get there, but we're still early in the process. When you add up all the number of students that are in charter schools or the special needs ESA or the dyslexia scholarship program, it's about 1,100 kids statewide which is only one half of 1% of total public school enrollment. So we've got a long way to go. What happens to the children in public school that don't have parents to advocate for them? Because in these school choice uh, schools, you have parents who are motivated and involved. Well, we want kids, even within our public school system, to have options, whether that's a, a public school across town or maybe a public school or a magnet school. Some of these choices are already available. And all of this is about by by giving parents more choice, we want to see traditional public schools improve. And in other states, 
where lawmakers have empowered parents with new choices, new options, we've seen the traditional public school achievement increase, which is a bit counterintuitive, but that's the way it happens. When you give parents choice, traditional public school students actually do better. The kids that are, so to speak, left behind do better because of the infusion of choice and competition and putting parents in the driver's seat. What happens to administrators and teachers who feel like they're losing funding to other options? Their budgets are dwindling. At the end of the day, our education system and our education dollars are about students. And we want to make sure students are being served well. And so if a charter school opens up, they need teachers and they need administrators and principals. And a lot of times, uh, former public school teachers go to a charter public school to teach there. So the system is focused on kids. And when we serve kids well, it creates opportunities for teachers and principals and administrators as well. Have you had a chance to review EdBuild? How do you feel about that? EdBuild has come to the Capitol and presented a slate of recommendations to the leadership. We think this is a great opportunity to review the funding formula and, and, and fix a few things. So we, we generally support the direction they are heading. We think uh, that's important, but it'll be up to the legislative leadership to decide actually what they put in legislation, and we'll review that at the time. We've said from the beginning we want to see a funding formula that is more student-centered, more equitable, and more transparent. Those three things. And it appears, at least from their first report, that Ed Build is moving our state in that direction. But again, it'll be up to the legislative leadership to see what they put in the final bill. Also, there is a suggestion in there, a recommendation, that it may end up being that wealthier districts are, will pay more of the burden of funding their education systems in their districts. Your thoughts about that? Well, that's one of many recommendations that Ed Build has put forward. Again, I'm not sure what's going to be in the final report. Are you okay with that, though? Well, we are supportive of making sure the system is equitable and that students who need uh, additional resources, which is typically low-income students, that they get the support they need. So it may look like that. Uh, it may look like uh, certain districts paying more than other districts. That, that happens today. Uh, we already have certain districts that are paying more. Let's just see what the what the final proposal is before we render a verdict. Grant Callen of Empower Mississippi. Tiffany Miner has a daughter in fifth grade. The girl attends Smilo Prep, a charter school in Jackson. Miner says she supported her daughter's decision to leave her traditional public school and attend a charter school. From the start, I've been ready for her. She wants to do this. And I want her to do it. And I want her to be able to have a choice to go to the school that she wanted to go to. And although she enjoyed her school last year, she thought that this opportunity to be at a new school would give her that opportunity to get ahead and get the extra help that she needed in math and reading, which it has definitely done. How was she doing in the school that she uh, was at and what grade? She was in the fourth grade last year. And... Um, Reading and math was a struggle. You know, she had a lot of kids in that classroom, so it also took away from the learning process with so many kids in one classroom. Here at Smilo Prep, she has those teachers where she can, at a certain time, they get to go out, get enrichment from those teachers and those tutors on the extra things that they need help on. So to see her math and her reading improving from a third grade level to a sixth grade level, and it's not even the end of school, it's awesome. I'm going to do it until she leaves the school. But as long as I get to have her making her choices and say, this is where I want to go because this fits me better, 
I want that for my child. What do you say to folks who say you're taking the cream of the crop out of public schools because you're an involved parent, one who obviously wants to see her child do well? My daughter is more important than any other thing in this world to me. So that doesn't... It doesn't even cross my mind. I just kind of brush it off because I'm here for my daughter's education. I'm here for her best interest. And if that's what she wants, I'm going to support her to the end. What is it that stands out about this school? The all so many book clubs, teachers, um, the outside. Well, it's, it's inside enrichment because it's at their school. But it's time to take out of their classroom and teach them or give them that extra help that they need and that math and that reading that she's always struggled in in school. So now to see her making B's and reading and math and A's and it's like I couldn't, something that I could never imagine. I always thought she would be an average student because it's like how do we get these grades where we need them to be? And this year at Smilo Prep they have Every skepticism I had, they have wiped it away because I'm proud of her. For the achievements that she making, I'm proud of the teachers, for them believing in my child and knowing that she can get to her best potential. She loves her school. <laughs> she loves her school. She loves to be at her school. She loves her teachers. She loves her classmates. It's a cozy environment. It teaches them that they have that choice to raise their hand and say what they need to say and get the help that they need to get and not just get shunned off and I just love that. I love it. Tiffany Miner whose daughter is in the fifth grade at a charter school. Representative Steve Holland is a Democrat from Plantersville. He says he's not against innovation in education funding and even school choice but he says it's important to give the existing system full support before abandoning it, as he tells our Mark Rigsby. Choice and vouchers and all these charter schools are all ideas that I think are worthy of some study and possibly some movement to at some point. But the great emphasis has got to be on a strong public school everywhere. And that's where this administration, I think, has totally failed. It's a diversion to talk about choice instead of trying to uplift and upgrade and move forward the public schools that we have in place now. That's just my feeling. Have you read the Ed Build report? I've looked at a synopsis of it, honestly. What, what do you think about it? Well, from what I can gather now, it's going it, to... It, you know, we changed from the minimum foundation not because we needed to, but because we were in a lawsuit on equity. You have got what I'm saying about school choice, you've got to provide a base level of funding for public schools all across the state, an equitable level for the poorest and the richest. And that's magical. It's hard to come to. But Ed Beal does not seem to be doing anything to me to alleviate that, that movement toward equalizing expenditures. It's going to punish... My city of Tupelo school system is going to lose about $6 million a year under Ed Bill. There are some counties that are going to get no state support under this proposal, as I understand. That's not good. Why have we not talked about funding the formula we got? It's only about 18 years old. Guilty as charged. My party ruled for a long time, and we never funded it either. But instead of using side peripheral issues, that is the only thing this legislature should be concerned about today. 
Representative Steve Holland. Before that, we heard from a parent, Tiffany Miner, and Grant Callen of Empower Mississippi. Find out what changes could be coming to Mississippi polling places. That's next. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hey, it's Peter Sagal. Are you resolved to lose a few pounds this year? How about a few thousand pounds through the Public Radio Vehicle Donation Diet? Donate your old car, truck, or RV to support this station and drop a lot of unwanted weight from your garage in a matter of days. And you'll feel great because you're also supporting public radio in the biggest of ways. It's easy, fast, and you may even earn a tax write-off. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Elections bills that would allow early voting and online voter registration in Mississippi have passed their first legislative hurdle. The House Elections Committee passed the measures yesterday. They're similar to a slate of bills that passed the House last session but died in the Senate. Republican Committee member Representative Becky Curry of Brookhaven says she's not sure what to make of early voting as she tells MPB's Desiree Frazier. It's a good bill. We uh, passed it out of the House last year, and it got hung up uh, out on the Senate side, and I think that it'll pass this year. It's a good bill. It cleans up a lot of the voting um, issues at the polls. It it uh, has some early voting in it. Um, it. It's just got a lot of different things that are really just technical that needed to be cleaned up. And, and so the bill, it, it's huge, as, as you probably saw. And um, ju- it just covers a, a lot of different territories. But it, it is a good bill. I think that um, it's going to pass easily out of the House. In terms of um, starting uh, voting, online voting, 14 days out, how do you feel about that? Well, the, it's not online voting. The online is when you first register to vote. It's voter registration, but it's, you're not going to be able to vote online. You have to go, still have to go into the circuit clerk's office and go on a machine. So a lot of people had that confused, but this is not a uh, voting online bill. You can register to vote online. And then you can vote 14 days out at the municipal clerk or circuit clerk's office? That's right. And it's a little bit different from than how we have in the past, um, early voting. And I'm, I'm not completely sold on early voting. We saw what happened in this year's presidential election. A lot of information came out that may have made you turn and vote the other way that you didn't have if you voted early. So I'm not completely sold on early voting, but we'll see what happens. Do you think we'll get to a point where we'll have online voting? I don't know. I think that's going to be a little bit different because we do want to make sure that everybody has the right to vote. And we don't want someone else to vote, you know, because there's a lot of hacking going on in the world with computers. And we sure don't want you to uh, try to vote and find out somebody's already voted for you. So, you know, we would have to make sure that everything is uh, just computer uh, safe. And I I don't think we're there yet. And you did mention, but what you tell us again, what happens to the bill now that it's passed out of the House? It it was passed out of committee, so it comes before the full House. And we'll have hours of debate, and if anybody has any questions or concerns, that'll come out here. And then, of course, it'll go to the Senate, and if they have any, if they may change it, and uh, hopefully we won't see it again. But, you know, if they change something over there, then it'll come back to the House. And that's how it died last year. They kept adding things and sending it back, and, and it eventually 
eventually it just died. Sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and go. <laughs> you think it's going to pass this time? I think it's going to pass this time. I really do. Representative Becky Curry of Brookhaven spoke with our Desiree Frazier. In other news, a leading civil rights group is calling on Mississippi legislators to include more protected classes in anti-discrimination laws. The ACLU of Mississippi says federal courts should not be the only ones protecting Mississippians from the effects of bias. Eric Fleming is policy director for the ACLU of Mississippi. The premise for the founding of this country was that we believe wholeheartedly that every one of us deserves to be treated with respect and to live freely. Mississippi must acknowledge that no man or woman can be truly free if being who they are can cause them to lose their job and with it the ability to feed their families. Federal protected classes automatically apply in Mississippi regardless of state law. Those include race, age, sex, and others. Hear from one organization that thinks parents shouldn't just pass the remote when it comes to kids and TV. That's coming up after a Southern Remedy Health Minute from Dr. Rick DeShazo. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. With me today is Dr. Josie Bidwell from Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. Thanks, Dr. Rick. You know, a lot of folks who have federal health insurance are really concerned. There's not only talk about changes in the Affordable Care Act, but Medicare and Medicaid, too, especially on social media. Yeah, Dr. Josie, and there's going to be a lot more talk. But here's the message. It's just talk. Folks who signed up for the insurance exchanges through the Affordable Care Act in Mississippi have coverage all of 2017. And nobody who knows anything about other federal insurance programs knows what's going to happen. But there's good news. Yep, the good news is that Southern Remedy and MPB will be here to help you understand and respond to any changes if they come. So just sit back, relax, and let the dust settle, and stay tuned to Southern Remedy Programming every day at 11 a.m. and Sunday at 6 a.m., and we'll keep you up to date and relaxed. For more health tips and medical information, listen for Southern Remedy each weekday at 11, where the doctors are always in. For MPB Think Radio, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo. The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy on the go with the My Blue mobile app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. More information at bcbsms.com. It's good to be blue. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. If you are hoping to find something family-friendly to watch on network television tonight, think again. At least according to the Parents Television Council, the stoplight-themed rating system available on their website lists only red light and yellow light programs for tonight. Council President Tim Winter is in Mississippi to meet with parents and other members of the public, and he joins us now. Good morning, Tim. Thank you for being with us. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you here in beautiful Jackson. All right. So why is it important for parents to keep an eye on what their kids are watching? Well, more than 1,000 scientific research studies, academic uh, studies, have proven what what parents 
instinctively know to be true, and that's that what a child consumes in terms of media content can and does have a long-term impact. It can be positive, it can be negative, and we want to help parents navigate the very choppy waters that are out there today, so much graphic sex, so much graphic violence, uh, an awful lot of uh, glorification of illegal behavior, drug use, and so forth. And what we're advocating for is a safer and sounder uh, entertainment landscape for, for families. Is the council concerned as much by how much television a child watches as opposed to what they're watching? We're very concerned. I think the uh, the latest statistics is close to 35 hours per week is what the average child um, uh, spends in terms of in front of a television. That doesn't even count other forms of media. Uh, so when you when you think that they're spending more time in front of a television than they are in school, more time in front of television than with a parent or with uh, even playing outside, uh, it is a, a, a health concern. And then when you add to it, what is it that the children are consuming? Uh, it's uh, it's mostly not good. And we're uh, again, you know, we're we're not uh, trying to ban content from being produced or distributed. But uh, we're seeing an increase in the amount of explicit material that's now marketed directly to children. You use a traffic light system on your website, red light, yellow light, green light. Tell us about those different categories and what might be included in each of them. Well, I don't want to use certain words over the public airwaves here. That would Good idea. <laughs> but um, uh, you can imagine uh, you know, when you know, years ago, you could watch television. Maybe there'd be a, um, a gunfight or something like that. You'd see a gunfire and a bad person, and, you know, the bad person gets shot and falls to the ground. Now you see entry wound, exit wound, blood splurting, blood splattering. Uh, you see sexual violence, very explicit. Um, you know, that's the red type of red stuff, the red light we're talking about, especially sexual violence. Believe it or not, there are, are cartoons marketed to children now that, that actually make light of sexual assault against women and children as punchlines to jokes. Um, that's the type of stuff that we would consider red light. How are you seeing these programs in advance of them airing on television? Well, we don't get to. Uh, we have um, a very sophisticated digital recording system that takes East Coast broadcasts and uh, allows us to uh, record them. We have trained entertainment analysts who um, log every instance of sex, violence, profanity, illegal you know, conduct, uh, sexualization of women, and so forth. We also log every sponsor of every show, and that way we can help uh, parents be more informed. We can talk to sponsors to let them know where their media dollars are, are going because sometimes they don't realize what they're sponsoring because the agencies spend it for them. And um, so together we're trying to make sure that um, uh, everybody's held accountable and everybody's um, more informed as it relates to entertainment content, especially when children are watching. Since you can't uh, do real-time uh, reviews, so to speak, do you use past episodes to judge what the future episodes might be like? Yes, we um, we watch every episode of every show, and so we, you know, shows are, are fairly consistent with the type of content they're going to air. Um, so we don't know exactly what, you know, tonight's episodes are going to contain. But based upon a series of, you know, sometimes years uh, of, of documented evidence, we can predict. And uh, that's what's, you know, the best we can do. The studios don't want us to see what's coming out ahead. The, the networks don't like it when we criticize them. So they are very um, uh, secretive about their content. We are out of time, Tim, but quickly tell us about what's going on in Jackson tonight. This evening at the Country Club of Jackson, we're having a public gathering from 5 to 7. Um, I'll be uh, explaining a little bit about what we do, taking questions and answers, 
and hoping that uh, the folks here in the Jackson area can learn and, uh, and join her voice. It's a choir to, uh, to help protect kids from the graphic stuff that's out there today. Thank you so much. Tim Winter is president of the Parents Television Council online at parentstv.org. Thank you, Tim. Stay Thank tuned you. to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9, Fix It 101, at 10, Everyday Tech, and at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, now offering an online master's degree in teaching. A state license can be earned after the first summer semester with an opportunity to teach grades 7 through 12. The application deadline is March 1st. More information at education.olemiss.edu. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.